0: Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney and a partner with the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. You can learn more about us by going to mauckbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call us at 312-726-1243. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter for news and info about faith in the law. We all know that the Bible calls believers to tithe, but are there other ways to demonstrate generosity in our lives? How can we be the absolute best stewards of our money when it comes to investing and planning for the future? Today our guest is Doug Morrow, Executive Director of Baptist Foundation of Illinois, an organization that exists to help individuals, churches, associations, and institutions meet their charitable and financial goals. Their mission is to encourage believers to respond both individually and corporately to God's call to stewardship upon
1: their lives. Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rich. It's always good to talk to you and and be in conversation with you again.
0: Well, Doug, um, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the Baptist Foundation of Illinois and what it does. But I know your heart is a heart uh, to encourage God's people to give generously, give us a little background about how all this is developed
1: and and what that means. Sure, sure. Well, probably uh, I, I would start with um, uh, I, I think a helpful perspective around scriptural teaching. I mean, there are only there there are almost twenty five hundred uh, verses that deal with money and financial management and, and giving. Um, that's actually more than 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 heaven, hell, and grace combined. I mean, it's just a huge, massive topic within within scriptures. And in um, fact, uh, about sixteen or so out of the 34, 35 parables actually deal with that topic as well. And it's it's a little ironic because it, it occupies such a central pra- place in scripture. But uh, oftentimes it's neglected in the pulpit. It's neglected in our conversations. And it's oftentimes regarded as one of the third rail topics that you really shouldn't talk about in polite company. Uh, well, you know, when, in, in, yeah. in a
0: sense, when you say that, um, you know, we, we Americans think our money is our own. Yeah, and yeah. Um, how dare you talk to me about my money? That's my business, not yours. Or right. we also think as Christians that somehow... Money and wealth are just dirty, and you can't really uh, mammon is is off topic. And anybody who yes. has mammon is is um, immoral.
1: Right, right, yeah, and, and and that is that is such an irony when you consider all that Jesus talked about. In fact, one of the things I think that, uh, in fact, I was looking back at a prayer journal that I had written. Oh, probably a little bit more than a year ago. And it just suddenly dawned on me. uh, If you take a look at, for instance, stories that are in Luke 18 and Luke 19, there's a reason. Of course, course, you know, it seems like the older that I get, the smarter the gospel writers get, right? Um, And uh, I'm just amazed that when you look at Luke 18 and you see the story of the rich young ruler, for example, and you see him going away dejected because jesus nailed him with his his thoughts about money right it says he was he was wealthy and jesus said well sell all you have and give it to the poor and, and he walks away rejected and you get that famous line of you know who can go into uh, you know how tough it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven and all of those things and then in chapter 19 You see uh, in Luke uh, 19, you see the picture of Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus, who obviously a tax collector who was known to be a little bit deceptive and shady, as tax collectors oftentimes uh, were uh, in the day, and he voluntarily says, you know, uh, I will give away half my income. And if I've defrauded anybody, I will return it fourfold and immediately, not not without any pretext or, or, or any verbiage afterwards, immediately Jesus looks at him and says, today salvation has come to this house. And so how could you juxtapose 18 and 19 without understanding that how we think about money and our giving and generosity is a core doctrine of the church?
0: As you begin that as a core doctrine of the church, then I'm, I'm going to ask you: How do we think about money from the scriptures?
1: Right, right. You know, I, I really think that the right frame for our thinking has to be Jesus's teaching. And if you go back to Matthew 6, uh, 21, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, right, Jesus's greatest hits of, of teaching that that you know Matthew assembles there, right in the middle of that, Jesus makes this. This statement that is that is shocking, really. He says. Doug, before you go that, on, let me do a yeah, little break yeah. here. This is Lawyers for Jesus yeah, Radio. I'm Rich Baker
0: of the law firm of Mauk Baker. Today we're speaking with Doug Morrow, the executive director of the Baptist Foundation of Illinois. Uh, Doug, go ahead. So okay, what is sure. This central teaching. Sorry to interrupt you there.
1: No, 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 no. You, you're, you're great. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus makes this statement, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he's just in front of those verses talked about where we make our investments. Either we're going to make our investments in a place here on earth that daily we are moving from, or every page that t- is torn off our calendar, we're getting close to he- closer to heaven, we'll have our orientation changed so that our investments are in heaven and they are eternal there uh, and not exposed to all the corruption here, here on the earth. And so that, that's what Jesus says, where our treasure is, our heart will be also. And, and, and we see that principle acted out in our everyday life. Um, you know, somebody goes out and buys a new car. I guarantee you that their time and attention is spent with that new car. Uh, if, if you're investing in a, in a spouse or a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, I guarantee that uh, that your attention is drawn to, to that, or you're paying a college bill, you're suddenly interested in that college, whatever it happens to be, our heart follows what we value. Well, I think that that, Rich, the short answer to your question is we start with Jesus' key teaching on the topic, and then everything flows from, from there.
0: So then the question becomes, and I think this is really what Baptist Foundation of Illinois is all about, how do we invest in the kingdom?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things that I think um, helps understand that is, is that, number one, we, we do so with with generosity, and I'll talk about that in a second, really what that means. And, and then we do so with, I think, planned generosity. Uh, in fact, you know, there have been several times, or even when Paul was collecting the the uh, uh, offering to carry back to the mother church in Jerusalem, you know, he told people to to give proportionally, to give with thought, to give with planning. All all that is a good thing. But one of the main things I think sometimes that that people struggle with is is they'll think, well, how much should I give? Should I give 10% or should I add up all the tithes that are mentioned in the Old Testament and give like 22.7%, whatever it happens to be? And, And the answer is that's not the rule. The rule is, yes, certainly use a tithe for a floor, not a ceiling. But the rule is, begin to ask yourself a different question. Not how much should I give, but perhaps how much should I keep? That causes us to think differently because then we begin to realize, wait a second, God wants me to take care of my needs. That's obvious. I need to take care of those that are dependent upon me. Uh, and then I need to find the most that I can invest in the kingdom and I can just tell you that in my experience in most people's experience that's well above ten percent but I do so through a methodology of grace, not a legalistic formula right and that right. I think makes it very different
0: that's something that I've been thinking a great deal about is is how do you approach life from grace and I think grace is begins with an idea of Uh, Or a heart of gratefulness. Um, It's not that I have to do this. It's I get to do this because God has been so marvelous to me. Lord, how on earth can I show you?
1: Oh, yes, so, that's exactly right. I mean, there's such a reason that, that, that Paul will say God loves a cheerful giver, and that even in John 3.16, right, the, the, uh, the, the anthem verse of the church that God so loved the world that he gave, everything we do is a response to his generosity toward us.
0: There's a scripture that says, we love because he loved us first. And that's really the same principle, I think, working That's right. this. That's
1: exactly right. That's exactly right.
0: All right. So so you're really getting close to all of us when when you begin to talk about how much should we keep rather than how much do we have to give. Um, so how do you go about answering that question?
1: Well, one of the things that I, that I try to walk people through is to, first off, You know, uh, in in very practical terms, make yourself, uh, you know, make sure that you have a budget and uh, make sure that you identify first what your needs are and make sure that your needs are not what your wants are. Obviously, uh, the modern world's advertising campaign is to convince us that our wants are really needs. Uh, You know, it turns out that we really don't have to have what everybody says we have to have. Um, but first off, define your needs and define them honestly and carefully. Uh, All right, Doug, second, you mean really, I, don't,
0: I don't need that Tesla? <laughs>
1: Are
0: you telling me that? You,
1: <laughs> really, you know, it, 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 it turns out you really don't. In fact, I oftentimes tell this, this story. I, uh, my, my, my Let me do 14. this. We're coming up on a sure. break.
0: So All right. coming up, we'll be talking further with Doug Morrow about the Baptist Foundation of Illinois and uh, providing practical help and resources to believers who want to serve God with their finances. I'm Rich Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, partner with the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with Doug Morrow of the Baptist Foundation of Illinois about generosity and handling our finances in a way that honors God. Doug, before the break, you were just about to give us a story on generosity. I turn the mic back over to you on it.
1: Okay. Well, really, I wanted to begin to frame that up by answering your question of how do we define our needs, and uh, then again get to the end point in which we can, you know, begin to ask ourselves how much we can or how much we should keep, uh, and then talk about how much we can give. Uh, but I, I, one of the stories I tell is I, I grew up in rural Kentucky, and both my parents were school teachers, and we had a family farm uh, in in that area. And uh, one of the things that happened with school teachers in rural Kentucky is that I'd oftentimes work a couple of weeks after and a couple of weeks before. And so I was ten or twelve somewhere in there, and my dad would drop me off. Uh, this was been in the early '80s somewhere in that area. That's telling my age. But uh, in the early 80s, he would drop me off, and uh, he'd give me a, you know, I'd take my lunch and a, and a water uh, cooler with me, and I'd work all day, and he'd drop me off 730, and he'd pick me up at around 430 or so. And uh, I oftentimes tell people, that when, when I tell this story, this was long before the age of uh, mass computerization and certainly before the age of cell phones. I didn't have a cell phone anywhere in sight. And unbelievably, I did not die one time. And uh, the, the point of that is not that, you know, everybody with a cell phone should suddenly lay those down. The point of that is to recognize the incredible power of the culture's advertising on us to change what is really a want into a perceived need. Yeah, and uh, that 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 is a that is a powerful force. And as soon as we recognize that, then we can begin uncoupling ourselves to having to be a slave to to that messaging.
0: Well, it's interesting you use those words like slave, and I'm thinking in the scriptures that often talk about the ways of this world, and in mm-hmm. in my own life, how many of the ways of the world have I incorporated? A lot of times through advertising, and I and I'm not even aware of it. I'm, there, it's just sort of an assumption of mine. So I'm, I'm really interested in that topic and really asking God right now myself, how have I incorporated the ways of this world and don't even know it?
1: Right, right. The, the second step is to identify the needs of those that are dependent upon you. And obviously, every Christian needs to take very seriously, not only taking care of their needs not shifting their needs onto somebody else, not to, you know, play schemes with, uh, you know, government bailouts in their own life or any of those kind of things, but taking care of their legitimate needs, have an emergency fund, have savings. Those are legitimate things to do, Uh, but then identify the needs of those people that are dependent upon them. And uh, one time you, you saw Paul writing in in uh, in uh, uh, the, the Thessalonians, that that uh, you know those people that do not care for those that depend upon them are worse than an unbeliever, worse than worse than infidel actually. And so it's important to be able to take care of your children, those people that are spouses that are dependent upon you, and recognize that their needs have to be addressed. And then once you follow those two things, I think that most people's experience would be, they have in abundance and they recognize wait a second i have been overly blessed god has given me lavish blessings and that provides the fodder to be generous with uh, and that gives them an opportunity to, to have their eyes wide open for an opportunity to use god's resources um, the last thing i would just try to sneak in here rich is is that Uh, everything is framed under the last things that I said. It all has to be understood as God's resources that we're managing. And when we do that, then we're given absolute liberty to be as generous as he allows us to be.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that because um, there are several assumptions in what you just said. Number one, God really does care about this. Number two, God's Holy Spirit is in us and will guide us if we'll listen but the third one also is, is, and I think this is hard. I'm certainly struggling with this, is giving up control and really letting God begin to speak into my life and direct me. So all three of those, I think, are necessary to become generous.
1: Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, that, 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 whole, that Old Testament text comes back to mind at Psalm 20, right, that says, well, some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, the things that you can feel and touch and have confidence in and trust in, And the psalmist said, but we'll do this differently. We'll trust in the name of the Lord our God. And uh, that gives us a different level of security that money could never provide.
0: You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker of Malkin Baker, and I'm speaking with Doug Morrow of the Baptist Foundation of Illinois. How true and how different a perspective that is. So, Doug, take me a little bit into how is the Baptist Foundation of Illinois Attempting to help us be generous.
1: Well, you know, so much of what we do is is face to face. Now, we, we provide some some tools that just anybody, any any believer anywhere can can uh, work with. But uh, uh, I have to tell you, one of the real challenges about generosity coaching and, 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 and stewardship coaching is that oftentimes it's a lesson that has to be caught rather than taught. It is, it is about the transformation of one's life. And so uh, we, you know, we encourage people, that even before I talk to them, you know, read Randy Alcorn's Treasure Principle. Read uh, you know, uh, Baumer and Cortine's God and Money. Uh, several great resources out there. But once we get a chance to visit with, with, with folks and, and help them to, to, to go deeper, we want to uh, encourage them to ask the question okay how am i being generous now in my life and the discussion we just had about budgeting and all of that stuff getting free to be generous that's a huge part of it the other thing that we point people to is that don't forget that statistically the largest stewardship event that you're going to have in your life is actually at the end of your human life it's it's in your it's in your estate and uh, you're going to you're have an opportunity once you leave the planet to all the stuff that you've collected, whether that be IRAs or stuff or, or house or whatever, that, all that's collected into, into one place, and you get to answer the question of what do my heirs need and what's the most that I can give to the kingdom. And that is a glorious opportunity for every Christian that's serious about this to do it. But, of course, it has to be planned for right? Uh, very few people die at the place and time of their choosing. <laughs> so they have to you, plan for it in know, advance.
0: You raise a very, very, uh, in my own life, a difficult question right now. Mm-hmm. How, and, and my wife and I don't see eye to eye yet on this, and we're working through it. Um, how much does my family need, and how much can I give to the kingdom? Uh, how and, and I tend to lean toward and I think many people do really, really um, giving everything I have to my to my family, um, and certainly that's been the tradition I've lived with and and benefited by. And, and and yet my wife is saying, no, you have to think a little beyond that. What do the kids need? But but um, they're not the only consideration. Expand on that a little bit in your thinking.
1: Sure. Well, and, and one of the one of the places I think to start is actually from the negative. We've got all kinds of examples, not only. Uh, in scripture, but very practical examples. Uh, giving something to someone they have not earned is always fraught with danger, always fraught with danger. Uh, it has the potential to um, uh, hurt initiative, it has the potential to encourage recklessness. Uh, it's just human nature that we value. What the spread, of the, the sweat of our own brow was involved in creating. Again, back to that same principle. Again, we never leave that same principle that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Well, if it's somebody else' treasure coming in, your heart's not going to necessarily follow. You, you weren't involved in that, and so again, we, we we tee up that 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 key keystone teaching, and it really does inform a whole lot of what we can think about wealth transfer. The other thing to keep in mind is that. If God owns what you manage, recognize that what you're doing in a wealth transfer situation is transferring stewardship of that asset. That's a huge concept because it means that all the things that you're doing with God's resource, is the next steward going to do that and the next steward? uh, how, How are you assuring that they're going to be as generous as God is calling you to be? So those two principles, I think, help. Number one, uh, an understanding that, uh, you know, where your treasure is, your heart is. Therefore, if you transfer your treasure to somebody else, it is by definition not going to be as valued. And then secondly, uh, recognizing that that, that, that that transfer really means the transfer of stewardship to someone else. Uh, Those, I think, are really guiding principles for for teasing out the question of what are the needs of those that depend upon me, and what can I invest in the Kingdom of Heaven?
0: Doug, thanks for speaking with us today. I know that the uh, Baptist Foundation of Illinois and the principles you're teaching are not just for Baptists. They're for all believers. Um, How can people learn more about the Baptist Foundation of
1: Illinois? Sure. Well, one of the key key tools that they can do is actually just go to our website uh, it's Baptist Foundation il standing for Illinois of course Baptist foundation il.org that's really the most uh, effective way for them to access phone and email and all those kind of ways that they can reach us more directly
0: that's fantastic Doug thanks again for speaking with us if you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney contact us at Malkin Baker you can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R dot com. If you missed part of this show and want to listen online, go to Maukbaker.com forward slash radio. I'm Rich Baker, partner at Mauck and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Don't I have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to save some money